Good morning. The scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, that's 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Good morning. I'm much louder here than I am at Newland Street, it would appear. First thing i got to get out of the way, uh, Dale, uh, I think you noticed everybody from Newland Street laughing when you were saying what a nice fellow I was. So that rumor is now dispelled. But uh, anyway, I have to start, as Tim did a few moments ago, just to say how very grateful the Newland Street family is to be here worshiping with our brothers and sisters at Ball Road and just your, your kind invitation to worship together, um, to come together for a time, for a season, to work together. Your hospitality and your warm welcome means so very much to us. And I, I can tell you from the first meetings that we were having with Alan and Dale and, and Gary, um, there was just a spirit of openness in those brothers and of welcoming us and really looking to see how they could serve us and help us. And then once the decision was mutually made for us to come together for a season, uh, this congregation could not have done more than you did to prepare for us. A lot of people don't know how much you've done over the last few weeks, but it's absolutely amazing. And from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. Uh, for the invitation and for being here. And uh, today as we talk about brotherly love and hospitality, uh, you're really the inspiration for that, uh, the way that you have so warmly welcomed us. And we look forward to working together, worshiping together, serving together in different capacities, getting to know one another better, learning from one another, because that's always something that happens in the kingdom when we're together, the way we can learn from one another. And we promise... We will do our very best to keep you from thinking you've just made the worst mistake in your life as a congregation by inviting us over. We'll really do our best to make sure that you don't feel that way in a week or two. But there is something so warm and beautiful and Christ-like about the spirit of hospitality with which you have welcomed us. Amen. From... uh, 1992, first part of the year, uh, we were living in Kenya, working with a new church that had just started, and um, it was our, the way we operated is we always went to visit people who came to worship on Sunday morning, and so on this, this week, uh, midweek, my friend and co-worker Dennis Okoth and myself uh, were going out into the community to visit people who had come to our assembly on Sunday. We had one car that had a man's name on it and had his house number. And so we went over to the house number, uh, to, went to the house, knocked on the door, and a young woman answered the door. Dennis said, uh, my name is Dennis Okoth, I'm from the uh, church here in Komorok, and uh, this is my brother Richard, we've come uh, to visit. And she said, well, welcome, come in. And she welcomed us into her home, we sat down on a little couch together, she excused herself and went uh, to the adjoining room, which we knew was the kitchen, and we could hear things happening in there. We could hear another voice, and we realized there were two women in the kitchen. 
And about ten minutes later, these two women came out of the kitchen, bringing us cups of chai, Kenyan tea, and a plate with bread and butter on it, and they set it down before us. And um, we quietly drank our tea and ate our bread and butter. And then, after that, Dennis said, well... We're here to see, and he named the name of the man who had filled out the card, and they said, oh, he doesn't live here. He's our landlord, and he just was in town on the weekend. He doesn't live here. He lives in another place, uh, and so he's, he's never here during the week. And being newly arrived in Kenya, this was somewhat shocking to me that someone who had who knew you from no one would invite you into their home and prepare food for you and sit down and talk with you, having absolutely no idea why you were there. Uh, those two ladies were Melissa Moonbay and her sister-in-law, Josephine Adiambo, and about three months later, they, along with uh, Josephine's husband, Bob, were baptized into Christ and became part of the, the Comorot congregation. But, you know, we're not so used to that kind of hospitality, just inviting someone in that you don't even know and, and, uh, and bringing them into your home. It used to be a little bit more like that in our country, though. I remember a few years ago talking to a brother at Newland who uh, was uh, probably about 9 or 10 years old in the late 1920s, and he talked about traveling, going on a long family trip uh, in the Model T from Oklahoma to Kansas. Uh, if you know your geography, you know that's you know that's about a two-hour drive. But um, not not back then it wasn't. And he said, you know what we would do is at the end of the day we would just see a farmhouse, and we would drive up to the farmhouse, and we would say we're on our way to Kansas. Uh, can we stay the night? And he said people would invite us in, and my mom would help cook dinner. And we'd cook dinner. We'd help with the dishes. We'd spend the night in the house. I thought Ellen and I might try that on our next trip to Oklahoma to see the kids. Just pull off the freeway in Albuquerque and just drive up to a house and knock on the door and say, you know, we're going to Oklahoma. Could we, you know, we get upset when our friends drop by unannounced to our houses. Can you imagine? But the New Testament has a lot to say about hospitality and about welcoming people. And that seems kind of maybe like an appropriate place for for us to start. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That stimulates the thinking, doesn't it? That's the second half of that verse. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality was a distinctive quality of the early church. It was something that it was known for, and I think it was probably one of the factors that led to, or at least contributed to, the expansion of Christianity in the early centuries, because the church was socially very unimportant in the marginalized community, and yet made great inroads in evangelism. And part of it, I think, has to do with the way that the church was so welcoming of people, not only of them, of one another, but of those that were on the outside. And this made a great impact on the body of Christ in the spreading of the gospel. Hospitality literally means a lover of strangers. To love strangers. On its most basic level in the scriptures, it's about sharing your life, sharing your home, sharing your resources with one another. 
accepting one another, welcoming one another, serving one another. But there's a deeper level that runs of hospitality that runs to the New Testament, and that is caring for widows and orphans and providing for their needs and making certain they have what they need to survive, as well as welcoming traveling evangelists into your home. You know, there are two books in the New Testament that at their heart are about that very thing. Second and Third John are really about making certain that the church is welcoming traveling evangelists because in those days there wasn't a, there wasn't a place to stay. There wasn't a Motel 6 or a Hilton or anything in between. And so when evangelists for the church would come through, they had no place to stay. Second, third, John talked about that practice of welcoming these people into your home, making sure that they're preaching the true gospel, but welcoming, welcoming them and caring for them. But then there's even a more radical form of hospitality in the New Testament. And that's showing this same kind of concern for people you don't even know. For people who may be total strangers to you. Jesus talks about when you have a party, don't invite your friends. Right? Remember that? Go out and find people out on the street that don't have any place to go and invite them into your home. Don't invite somebody into your house who can pay you back. Invite someone into your home who can never pay you back. There's this more radical form of hospitality that we read about in scriptures as well. But hospitality is just this way of life that God empowers where we put the needs of other people ahead of our own, which is definitely at the core of Christian ministry and service. And we do this and we extend ourselves through certain gifts, the gift of time, the gift of our space, of our privacy, the gift of our home perhaps, the gift even sometimes of of resources that we have, and we do so willingly without any thought of receiving back, or that there's anything reciprocal that needs to happen because we've done this. There's no thought of getting anything in return. And this level of hospitality that we read about in Scripture seems to be rooted in two things. First of all, in the brotherly love that is to exist in the church. And secondly, the very nature of God. The three passages that I read just a moment ago that command hospitality, if you were to just read a little bit around those commands, either just before or just after, you'd find that the context of each of each passage is that of brotherly love of the family of God. For example, in Romans 12... In verse 10, it's be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Practice hospitality. Or in the Hebrew writer's view, in Hebrews chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality. It's in the context of brotherly love. 1 Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In our life groups tonight, we'll talk about that grumbling part. That's a, that's a whole lesson perhaps in itself. But the New Testament church acted this way and treated each other this way because they were brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they saw themselves as part of a family. Not just in their local group that met, but at, they looked at the entire church uh, w- without distinctions uh, to ethnicity or to nationhood or to language. Uh, the church was represented by every sort of group across uh, the Western world, the Roman world at that time. And they practiced 
this kind of brotherly love because they felt they were connected. And they were, of course. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We're the children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. That makes us brothers and sisters to one another. So we have brotherly love toward one another. We care for one another. We reach out to one another. And we view ourselves as a part of a larger fellowship that extends beyond our own local congregation to other brothers and sisters in Christ. I look back over the years and think of how many times our family was welcomed into the home of people that we did not know. As we were traveling home from Kenya in 1996, we're driving in the suburbs of Munich and we pull up to this house and we don't know the people who live in the house. We've never spoken to them. We've had no contact with them. But our friends know them really well. Our friends that we met in Kenya that we didn't know until we lived over there, they knew this couple that lived in Germany and they said, oh, if you're going to be in that area, just stay with them. And so you go up to the door and you knock on the door and this wonderful family welcomes you in. There were four of us at this time, four of us coming in to stay in their house for four or five days. There have been many times that we've just been welcomed into people's homes. One of the most astounding to me, there were a group of about 13 men. Imagine welcoming 13 men into your home. 13 men from Nairobi traveled to, uh, uh, to neighboring Uganda. We were in this little village in Uganda, and a family opened up their home to us. 13 of us sleeping in a kind of like a barn, some blankets spread out, feeding us, taking care of us. Because we're brothers in Christ, because we're part of the family of God. It's amazing, the power of hospitality, and the way the church continues to do this. Uh, the way you have taken us in uh, is, is another example of that very thing. But hospitality also reflects the very nature of God and God's concerns. If you read much in the Old Testament, you find out pretty quickly that God cares about the widow, the orphan, the poor, the alien, the sojourner, the foreigner, the person who's not going to have enough, the person who's on the edges of society. And he commands Israel to care for them. He commands Israel to reach out to these people, to show love to their their parts of the law of Moses that are given so that the poor will have food to eat. And what does God say to Israel? You need to do this because you were strangers and you were exiles and you were slaves and I took care of you. So when you encounter people that were like you were once, Treat them with the same love and compassion that I treated you with when you were in that situation. And we see that in the church. We are outsiders. We have been welcomed by God. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And that is what motivates us as well. And it's what caught the church, or what caught the world by surprise, I think, and fueled evangelism in the first century. That spirit. Remember what Jesus said to his apostles in John chapter 13, verse 34. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. 
We have filled in that blank with a lot of other things through the years. But Jesus said, this is how they'll know. This is how they'll know you belong to me. Because I have a love that's willing to give my life up for you. And that's my new command, that you love people like I've loved you. And when you love people like I've loved you, people are going to see who you are in me. Jesus told his apostles, this is how people would know. This is what would draw people to Christ. Because how can you explain a group of people who ought to be strangers, and, and at times a, people, a group of people who ought to be enemies, who are welcoming one another? It's by the love of Christ. It's, it's through that welcoming and hospitality. Let me suggest this morning that we just... Let's, let's start just right here with us. Now, Jesus calls us to a much more radical form of hospitality than being hospitable to one another. But it, would, it seems to me that if we're not hospitable to one another, it's highly unlikely that we're going to reach beyond uh, the borders of the kingdom to be hospitable to people who are outside or who are strangers. And perhaps in coming weeks we can talk about that kind of hospitality. But let's just think for a moment this morning about how we can open up our, our lives, our homes, to one another. And I just wanted to encourage all of us to think of how we can do that. To open up our home and just invite someone in. And it doesn't have to be some big thing. It doesn't have to be some big, you know, kind of configuration or whatever. Just invite someone over to talk. To, to sit down and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or have dessert. It seems like we always are throwing food around, aren't we? I mean, that, that makes fellowship a little easier, but it does. I mean, the first century church, they ate their homes from house to house. They ate their meals gladly together because there's something that happens when you sit down together and you share a meal and you begin to, to share life together and you find out about one another. That's one of the real blessings that our, we've enjoyed in our life groups is that after our Bible study, we sit down together, we, we eat together, and that's when so many of the stories come out about who we are and how we got to where we are and how our faith has grown and, and what's really happening in our, in our lives. And we have the opportunity to open up our homes to one another. If you have a swimming pool, invite the kids from church to come over and swim in the summertime. If the kids don't have a swimming pool where they live, if, when the holidays roll around, if you know there's someone around in the congregation who doesn't have family in the, in the area, invite them into your home for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Be, invite uh, others who are visiting from outside the area. Invite them over when they, when they come. There's so many different ways that we can do this. And for some of us, that's going to be difficult. There, there are some of us here today who it would be very, very difficult, if not impossible, to invite somebody into our homes because of something that might be happening in our homes or someone who may be in our homes who wouldn't appreciate having the company there. But that doesn't keep us from having the spirit of brotherly love and hospitality. There are different ways that we can go about that. We can pair off with someone else and be involved in, in maybe working with someone who does have a place to invite. Or, you know, I was just thinking today... The hospitality being extended by some of the Newland family to others in the Newland family because you went by someone's house this morning. You didn't do this last week, perhaps, but this week you went to somebody's house and you picked them up and you brought them here. You extended brotherly love and hospitality to that person. 
And there's a something will happen in the relationship of those of us who carpool, some of us who are carpooling who didn't before, some of us who are who are picking people up. There'll be changes and enhancements in our relationships because of the, the way that we can help and serve one another in different ways. Hospitality doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It's not about doing something big. It can be as simple as a few people getting together, somebody instigating after a Sunday morning service, how let's just go somewhere. Everybody get your own meal, but let's some of us who don't get together, we've never all eaten together. Let's just come up with some different configuration of people. Let's go out and spend an hour sharing a meal and getting to know one another better. There's so many different things that we can do. And it's a blessing. I heard a story from a couple who had moved from a congregation where they'd been active for many, many, many years. They moved into this new congregation. They'd moved to a different area. And after like two months, nobody had invited them anywhere for anything. And they were really getting discouraged. They just felt like, well, you know, is there something wrong with us or whatever? And they were talking to someone back at their home congregation from where they'd moved. And, And this person said, let me challenge you to do something. For the next three or four months, every week invite somebody into your home or invite someone to dinner after church. And the couple did it. Within a few months, not only did they have friends that they did not have before, but by their example, they had stirred up a spirit of hospitality in that congregation that went on to change the the personality of that church into a very welcoming church because someone started that process. Think about all of the commands that you and I have been given in the New Testament about our responsibilities to each other. Love one another. Build each other up. Rebuke if someone needs to be rebuked or corrected. Confess your sins to one another. Think of all of the commands that we have in the New Testament toward one another. We cannot obey these commands based on relationships that are limited to an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Because we won't know one another. How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me if we don't know each other? How can we confess our sins to one another when we haven't developed enough of an intimate relationship with someone so that we truly do trust that person so that they can help us be accountable in our spiritual walk? Hospitality is one of those things that just fleshes out the relationships that we can have in Christ and gives us the opportunity to get to know one another better so that we can be obedient to those commands and treat each other as we should. I just want to encourage us all as a, as a kind of a blended church family here as we begin meeting together today. Let's start just with one another. Let's see how we can get to know one another better and serve one another more. One of the beauties for me of speaking to a new group of people is I get to tell the same old stories and, uh, and uh, it gives me a good excuse um, Whenever I talk about hospitality, I always tell this story that I'll be concluding with today. And whenever my wife talks about it, she tells this story because it was a story that so impacted us. I'll probably be telling this story (laughs) 
as long as I can remember. It was uh, 1982. We were living in Petaluma, California, and uh, there was a family there by the name of Parrish. For those of you who heard about Aaron and Erlene before, you've heard the story. Aaron passed away about a month ago, just to give you a bit of an update. I was talking to his son this weekend. Um, Aaron and Erlene had seven kids over quite an age span. They lived, I think, probably in a three-bedroom house just around the corner from the church building. They had a very limited income. They were always having people over. It was Sunday morning after worship, and uh, early had left. Aaron was still standing around the church building. A lot of people had just walked there. Could you just park in the parking lot and walk over to their house? Uh, a lot of people had walked over to the house. We were getting ready to leave, and Aaron said to us, Oh, come on over and have lunch. I said, Aaron, we can't come over and have lunch. You've already got company. Erlene isn't expecting us. Oh, no, 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 no. She'll be happy. Just come on over and have lunch. Well, at this point in time, there are six people in our family. There are seven people in their family. And there, I think there were probably about 25 or more people in this little house. But we went over, and I'm thinking, okay, how would I respond if I were getting ready to set the table with food and my husband just brought in six more people? Uh, but Erlene, oh, I'm so glad you could come. That's great. Come on in. Come on in. And she's standing at the stove with this big pot of soup. And she's getting ready to serve it. And then as they got ready we, to serve the food, they didn't have, they didn't have any, very many dishes. And so they went to the cupboard and they got down everything they could find. And the biggest thing they could find was a stack of those margarine dishes. You know, when you eat... A pound of margarine, or, you know, not all at once, but after you're done with a pound of margarine, you save the plastic container, you got the lid, hey, it's a good thing to use for storage. So they pull a stack of butter dishes out of the cupboard and start filling them up with soup. Of course, there's not enough chairs or anything like that. There's all of us just standing around this house eating soup out of these butter dishes. About the best soup I ever had about the best fellowship I've ever enjoyed. And the reason I tell that story is because that was the day I became so ashamed and so convicted about myself and about my attitude, about my pride that had kept me from being hospitable. Because when you have people over, you want everything to be right. You want your house to look good. You want to have the right kind of dishes. You want to be the right kind of host. You want people to come in and it's like, well, boy, this carpet needs to be replaced. Okay, I know. We're going to get to it this year. I promise you in our family room it's going to get replaced. I know. It's terrible. Uh, it needs to be replaced. But, you know, I was, I was thinking more about entertaining, about, you know, having the lawn manicured, about having everything just so perfect so that when people come over they think, oh, what a wonderful home. Oh, what a great home. It's, so, it's amazing how in that sense to me that was so self-focused. It was about how I looked and how I came off. And I didn't want to come off looking bad. And as I sat there or stood there eating the soup, I thought, man, I've got this thing wrong. That's not what hospitality is. Hospitality is caring for others. Hospitality isn't concerned about self or how you look. Hospitality wants to know how the other person is feeling and how they're, and how you can bless them and how you can serve them and, and what joys they're experiencing and focusing the conversation on them and building them up and finding ways to serve and to minister and to welcome 
and to bless. Because we have been served and ministered to and welcomed and been blessed by a God who's cared for us. And so we can care for others in his name. If you've not accepted that welcome, we have such good news for you that through Jesus Christ and his offering up of himself on the cross in the greatest act of self-sacrificial love, that you have an opportunity to be drawn near to God by his love and by his power to reconcile you to himself through Jesus Christ. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you're willing to confess that and turn from sin in your life, your sins can be washed away. You can be buried with Jesus Christ in baptism and raised up to a new life filled with the Spirit of God to become part of the family of God, to be a son or a daughter of God and to begin this journey of life today in the family of the Lord. And we would plead with you and encourage you, if you've not yet responded to the grace of God, to do so and be obedient to the good news. And for all of us, may we hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And as we enter into a new period of fellowship, may each of us truly receive one another warmly as we have been received. We're going to sing as a song of encouragement today. I've asked Chris to lead this. For those of you from Ball Road, this is the, the final song we sang in our building last week. And I think it's appropriate that it be sung here today as we come together to be in fellowship with one another, a common love. And if there's any who need to respond to the love of God, we invite you. Let's stand together as we sing.